0: everyone. Everybody good? How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? (laughs) Amen. Well, uh, thank you for being here and I add to Dr. Garter's greeting. Welcome to Prestonwood. Those that are here in person and those that are watching online, we greet you. We thank God for you. We're praying for you. How about these students? Amen. Going all the way across the pond to carry the gospel. Don't you know that the gospel is for the world? Are y'all in agreement with that? Or is it just for West Plano? It's for the world, correct? Amen. Thank God for the ability to take the gospel to those around the world. Well, if you would, turn in your Bibles to the gospel of Luke chapter 10. The gospel of Luke chapter 10. As we continue on with our series, tell me the story of Jesus. We've been in the parables, uh, and we're going to discuss a parable this morning again. You know, and I was studying this and reading the thoughts and the commentaries and the hearts of other pastors and theologians and commentators, I really sensed um, the heart of compassion and the gratefulness and a spirit of repentance from these men and others who I studied this week, and the brilliance of Christ. This parable that we're going to study is perhaps the most popular, one of the most popular and talked about in the church and outside of the church, believer and non-believer, and this is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Raise a hand if you ever heard of the Good Samaritan. Amen. Well, let's look at Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25 together. It says, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put to the test Jesus, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. likewise amen a few notes it says and behold in verse 25 he says and behold listen carefully check this out take notice and i was reminded when i read this sentence that this is the mindset and the attitude that you and i As believers in the Lord ought to have when we study the Word of God when we sit and pray and listen to the Lord pay careful attention listen carefully take notice amen are you paying attention to the word of the Lord are you listening when he speaks to you does he grab your attention It says this man was a lawyer, perhaps a Pharisee, a scribe, but someone who was skilled or professed to be skilled in the law. Probably a pretty smart guy. Or so he thought he was. And he called Jesus teacher. He recognized that Jesus was a man of authority and position who clearly also had knowledge of the law. The lawyer says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life, or what shall I do to be saved? That was often a question or an inquiry from the Jews of the day. It was said by them that man must keep the commandments, the written and oral law. It was a works mentality, a self mentality. What shall I do? First things first. There's nothing that man, there's nothing that you and I can do to earn eternal life. You and I have nothing to do with our salvation. Yes, we confess our sins before God. We ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our life. But the price, the ultimate price that had to be paid for your sin and mine for our salvation That price only can be paid by Jesus and Jesus alone. Salvation is not based on your spiritual heritage. It's not based on your mom's faith. Your salvation is not based on your mother's faith, your grandmother's faith. It's not based on your deeds. Your salvation is not based on your church activities or your duties. Salvation from sin. The gift of eternal life to not be separated from God is only paid by the blood of Jesus Christ shed on Calvary's cross. Can the church say amen? Amen. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we shall walk in them. By grace you have been saved through faith. Look at verse 26. He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? I love Jesus right here. He turned the question back to him. Some would call this the Socratic method of dialogue to answer a question with the question. He said, what's written in the law? How do you see it? And of course, Jesus knew what the law said. But I believe that he turned this on the lawyer to test him as he knew the lawyer was trying to test him back. Don't you love the brilliance of Jesus? Before we move on and break the parable down, I want to focus for just one minute on this commandment and share some things that I learned and that I saw, and particularly uh, in a study of the New Testament from Albert Barnes, published back in 1832. To love the Lord your God in this manner, as the Scripture says, He says this, with all of your heart. What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all of your heart? That means with all of your power, love God supremely. Love Him more than all other beings or things. Fix your affection on God more supremely than anything else and be willing to give up all that you hold dear at His command. What does it mean to love him with all your soul? Essentially, that means to love him with all of your life. Give your life to him. Die to yourself and live unto God. Be willing to do this and to die at his command. What does it mean to love him with all of your mind? That means to submit your intellect to him. Submit your mind to him. To love his law and to love the gospel more than the decisions of your own mind. Don't let your brilliance keep you from God. What does it mean to love him with all of your strength? It means with everything in your soul, everything in your body, all of your fortitude, love him. Your labor and your toil are for God's glory and not for your own. And to make this the object of all of your effort. This is what it means to love God. And this commandment is the first and the greatest. Not just order of time, but in the order of importance. This is the greatest commandment in dignity. It is the greatest in excellence. It is the greatest in extent. It is the greatest commandment in duration. God is the most excellent being, and because that, he is to be loved supremely. If we love God correctly, then we can love others correctly. And the second commandment is unto it, love your neighbor as yourself, meaning this is of equal importance as the first commandment. And we see this exemplified in this parable. Then Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you shall live, in verse 28. Well, the lawyer already knew the answer to the question as we see He wanted to justify himself, the Bible says, or vindicate himself and appear to be blameless as it pertained to the law. But Jesus here wanted to teach him something and show him that he had departed from the real meaning and the spirit of the law. He wanted to give him, if you will, a new righteousness, not just in word, but in deed. And it reminds me of when our kids ask us something. And they already know the answer. Anybody ever been there? See, these kids, they think they're slick, they think they're smart. They try to justify themselves in asking the question or try to twist the mean and trying to get over on us or pull the wool over our eyes. I know nobody here has ever done that, but we all know how this shakes out in the end. He asked the question Who is my neighbor? The Pharisees and the religious leaders they submitted that Jews only were to be considered and regarded as neighbors, not the Gentiles. They concluded that there was no neighborly obligation to the Gentiles. But we see Jesus had a different definition. And I read a quote by a former teacher and professor, Hayden Robinson, and he said, "A neighbor is someone whose needs." you have the ability to meet. Did it say anything about ethnicity? Did it say anything about location? Does it say anything about where you come from? A neighbor is one whose needs you have the ability to meet. Look at verse 30. It says this. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers. From Jerusalem to Jericho was about 15 to 20-mile journey. And it was all downhill, descending about a half-mile in elevation. It was a dangerous journey. It was a narrow road. And this part of the country was mostly desert land, mountains, Not a lot of people inhabiting or living along that roadway or that path. And due to the topography with the ravines and the caverns and the cliffs, it provided a very secure and great hiding places for thieves and robbers to hide out and wait and lurk for the potential victims. It was a dangerous place. Martin Luther King said it was a long, windy, dangerous road. And when Jesus mentions these robbers in the parable, he says that they stripped this man, they humiliated him, they beat him, and then they departed. These men who robbed him, these men, these thieves on the road, not only did they want to steal and take property from people, but they wanted to inflict great physical harm. These were bona fide modern-day thugs. How many know it was dangerous? The road between Jericho and Jerusalem was often traveled by thousands of people in that day. Jericho was a city of sacrifice. Priests and Levites would travel this road on a daily basis. Look at verse 31 and 32. Now by chance a priest was going down the road and when he saw him he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to that place, saw him and passed on the other side. The priest and the Levite, they both passed by this man on the other side of the road. They saw him, and then they passed by, according to the Scriptures, on the other side of the road. And as I was reading this, and as I was studying as I said, well, I'm going to take the priest and talk about him. And then take the Levite and talk about him and split him up. But the more and more I read, these guys are one in the same, each one may have had a different reason why they passed by, but y'all the conclusion regardless of the situation was the same. They each saw him and they each passed by and did nothing. Are you following me? Each of them had religious duty. They were leaders, both of them knowing the law. They did nothing for their countrymen who was laying half dead on the road. And having said this, we all can find reasons. We all do find reasons and excuses not to serve and not to help someone in need. We say, well, I'm not qualified. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the resources to help. I'm too busy, I'm going to find somebody else who's better than me to help. This is out of my way, this is going to take too much of my time, it's too big of a risk. Do you know in America today, 18% of adults 18 and older suffer with depression. 32% of people in America today, adults, suffer from anxiety. The suicide rate is at an all-time high. Fatherlessness is at an all-time high. Poverty impacts every single one of us directly or indirectly. You can find time to help somebody that's in need. Amen? There are problems all around us. You don't even have to look for But like the Levite and like the priest, we will find a reason or an excuse not to help someone in need. I wrote down a list of a few things not to do when we see someone in need. Don't ignore those that are hurting. Don't ignore people around you that are hurting and in need. Ask God how he would use you to serve them. Don't be fearful. When you see someone in need, don't let the enemy grip you with fear and paralyze you from doing what you know you should do to serve them. Don't be fearful. Ask God for courage. Ask Him for strength. It has to mean something to you. You have to want to help to ask God to help you to be strong and courageous. Read Joshua chapter 1 and see, get strength and courage from there. Don't make people feel worse when they are already down. Well that's what they get, that's not my problem, they shouldn't have done that. I can't help where they come from. Don't make people feel worse when they're down. We are all one unexpected circumstance away. We are all one bad decision away. We are all, by the divine hand of God, separated, one degree of separation from being that person, amen? Don't make people feel down when they're already beaten. Just serve them. Don't worry about what other people say. Why are you helping him? Do you know what she did? Do you know her family? Don't worry about what other people say. Do what God says. Don't worry about what other people think. Honor God and please him by your service. Help them. What a Samaritan in verse 33. It says that he stopped when he saw him. And he helped the man in need. I wrote myself a question right here. How often do I just stop long enough to even notice the need around me? We're always busy, 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 busy. But how often do we just stop and say, Lord, show me. What's going on around me? The Bible says, stop and pray. Watch and pray. When's the last time you just stopped and said, Lord, show me? Where can I help? We're always looking for the next thing. Thing, sorry. I don't think thing is a word, but anyway, we're always looking for the next thing, right? My wife's going to get on me after after church. (laughs) (laughs) stop and listen verse 33 he stopped this samaritan he probably had the most and the best reasons or excuses if you will not to stop To help this stranger who had been robbed, beaten, and left for dead. The Samaritan, more so than the priest, more so than than the Levite who were Jewish, this Samaritan man had more at risk than anyone else. Number one, he was Samaritan. He was despised and hated by the Jewish people of that day, both in a religious manner and in an ethnic manner, in a cultural manner. Samaritans and Jews had been antagonistic in conflict and hated each other for 800 years. There was no love between them. They were not dancing together. There was hatred between these people. And here you have this Samaritan man who was willing to risk it all. Number two, he could have also been beaten and robbed Robbed by the same or different bandits who hit the man that he was helping. Remember where he was on this dangerous, rocky, hidden road. As he goes and bends down, he's vulnerable, he's helpless, helping this man on the ground. He too could have been robbed and beaten, humiliated, and left for dead. Are you with me? He took great risk. And most likely, he was a businessman. So he risked losing business, stopping to help this stranger along the way. It delayed him from going to his destination. It delayed him from going maybe to meet someone to enhance or to help his business, to take care of his family. It cost him days of business and trade, but he acted as if this man's life was his own life. Needless to say, he took great risks. This man was not even of his same culture or his religion. This man was not his countryman. He was not in kinship with him like he was with the priest and the Levite. And neither one of them stopped to offer assistance to their own countrymen. But the Samaritan, in spite of the risk, stopped. How about you? How about me? Are we willing to take the risk? They may not look like you. They might not be your countrymen. They might not be your same culture, ethnicity, belief, what have you, but are you willing to take the risk to obey God, to stop and to help those in need? So I stated what not to do earlier. When someone's in need, here's a list of a few things I jotted down. What to do when someone is in need. Trust the Lord to do what may be difficult for you to do. Don't operate in your own strength. Trust God to do what may be difficult for you to do. Pray for compassion. Pray and ask God to give you a heart. Of compassion to give you a spirit of empathy act put your best foot forward put your hands to the ground help them serve them use wisdom use the time and the talent and the treasure that God has given you to serve others my wife Robin She said this to me when we were looking over this passage and studying. She said, we are to be the example. We meaning believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be the example, beacons of hope, ambassadors for Christ. The world is watching. The world needs hope. Can we say amen? Amen. The world is watching. The world needs hope. We ought to be beacons of hope for those that are hurting around us. In verse 33 and 34, the Samaritan man was indeed a beacon of hope for this man in need. Instead of passing by on the other side of the road like the priest and the Levite, he went to the man. He went to where the need was oftentimes in our life and i've seen this in my own life we shy away from the need or the problem and we pass on the other side of the road but men and women children we must go right to the place. Go right to the person in need. Face it head on. Hit it right in the head. Don't be afraid. Lay down your pride. Lay down your insecurities. Lay down your selfishness, your tradition, and your ignorance and go and hit it head on and God will meet you right where you are. Amen? The Samaritan had compassion for him. He felt for him. He had a heart for him. Are y'all feeling this Samaritan man in the scripture? He said, man, I got a lot to do. I got my herd behind me. I got people waiting on me. And I see this man. He's over here. I know he's hurt. I know he's broken. But I got my herd behind me. I got my business to attend to. But his heart felt compelled to go to him and say, you know what? God will take care of all of this. Let me bend down and see what's wrong with my neighbor. He died to himself. He went right to the need. He didn't let anything keep him. That's what hurts me most about our country today and the church. I'm going to deviate a little bit. We're good at having sympathy. We're good at even sometimes feeling sorry and having a heart for people. We're good at recognizing the need. That's not a problem. But where we fall short is the action. Is doing something about it. That's where we fall short. We see it. Lord, I feel for it. But I got all this here with me. I got them waiting on me. I see it. Lord, help them. Lord, I I, I pray for them. No, church, they say, you know what, God? You're going to take care of all this right here. How can I help you? I know it's bullets coming. I know the radar is on me. I know they hating on me. I know they're questioning me. I know that the same robbers could come and beat me up, humiliate me, rob me. But this man, this woman is in need. What am I going to do? That's what we got to get. Are y'all with me? Me included. All of us. But we got to care. We cannot be apathetic. Apathy causes us not to care about those that are in need. The Samaritan didn't just feel for him, he did something about it. Look at the scripture say it said he bandaged him up. He poured oil and wine on him. And this denotes that this man had some resources in order To use oil and wine for medicinal purposes means that he did have some resource and some knowledge that this would work. He put him on his own animal and he brought him to the end. He had compassion, he had grace, and he took action. This Samaritan man used his own resources to serve a stranger in need. And when I read this parable, I see that this man was prepared. When the need arose, he was ready to act. And so the question for us church this morning, those that are here and those that are watching online, the question is, are we prepared? Do we stay ready to serve and to give a helping hand in the time of need? Or is it all about me, is it all about you? I have what I need for me and nothing else. This man had everything that he needed to serve this man who was half dead and he used it. Are you willing to do the same? Are you willing to give what you have? You say, well, Pastor Scott, I don't have that much. Well, give what you have because you can't outgive God. He will restore you. You say, well, I'm not able. Are you willing to lay your life down? That doesn't take much energy, just obedience and a heart of empathy and compassion for others, for your neighbor. Are you willing to lay it down? This Samaritan man made sure that all of this stranger's needs were met. He didn't just go halfway. You know, when I was in the NFL, when we used to get knocked out, yeah, we got knocked out. It is it's true. Not everybody, but if you was playing hard, you gonna get knocked out. Well, not offensive guys like Mike Goddard, you know. <laughs> yeah. We was trying to knock him out, but anyway, <laughs> but he was too good. They used to give you this smelling salt. You know, just wake up like, oh, I'm at the game. Then they say, okay, get up, get back in the game. <laughs> they don't do that anymore, by the way. I'm older, so I played when those rules were not. Anyway, so they might be watching. I'm sorry, but it's true. Um, he didn't just go halfway. <laughs> he didn't just give him the smell of salt and, and get back up and say, okay, go on your way. He treated him like he would have treated himself. Leviticus 19, and they says, love your neighbor as yourself. He did what he had to do in verse 35 it says that the next day he took two denarii two days wages and gave it to the innkeeper and said take care of him and whatever more you spend I will give it back to you when I come back a couple of observations he stayed overnight with this man did y'all see that he stayed overnight And made sure that he was fully taken care of and that he survived through the night and this most likely delayed his business travel to the city but regardless of this he sacrificed for the benefit of his neighbor have you ever had a time in your life or a situation in your life where someone needed your help but you knew that it was gonna set you back it was going to delay you it was gonna take you time that you didn't have have you been there before in your life said man if I do this then I can't do this. Have y'all had that situation? But isn't it amazing when God, when you obey Him, how He shows up and what you thought was going to be a loss, what you thought was going to be a delay, what you thought you were going to miss out, that God just multiplies it and restores you and refills you and fulfills you. Are y'all with me? When you obey God and you say, Lord, it doesn't matter what it's going to cost me. I'm going to do what you're calling me to do because you are Jehovah Jireh, God my provider, and I know that whatever I may seemingly miss, you're going to give it back to me a hundredfold anyway, but even if you don't, you're God and you're sovereign and I'm going to obey you and serve my fellow man and lay my life down for those that are hurting. He stayed there all night long. And then he said, when I come back, I will give you whatever you spend. He anticipated that this care was going to take longer. He anticipated that this man was not gonna be healed just overnight and he said, I will repay you. He was a man of integrity. He was a man of compassion. He was a man who saw a need and he met it. He had a do what it takes mindset. How about us? He was all in. Are you all in? When it comes to laying your life down? When it comes to serving and loving your neighbor as yourself? Or do we do just enough? Just to say, I checked the box, I helped today. I served today. Or do we go over and above what is needed? This shows that this man was familiar with the innkeeper. He had a good relationship with this man because he entrusted this wounded stranger to him and said, now, not only are you going to run the front desk and run the inn, but you need to take care of this broken, wounded, half-dead man and do that, I trust you. I have a relationship with you. Y'all, sometimes when we are called to serve, we're going to be called to serve with others. That means that godly relationships are so important. Sometimes it's gonna take 1, 2, 10, 20 of us to serve someone in need. What kind of relationships do you have today? Do you have an entrusted innkeeper in your life? Do you have somebody that you also can serve with? In verse 36 and 37, Jesus asked the lawyer, which one proved to be the neighbor? To the man who was robbed, he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. Now, a couple of things, because my time is running short. A couple of things. He said, now, the one who showed him mercy. He didn't say the Samaritan. Do you see that? He still had a lot of pride in his heart. He didn't call the man by his nationality a Samaritan. He said the one who showed mercy. So there's still some work to be done in the heart of this man, this lawyer. But Jesus said, go and do likewise. Not very many times in the scripture does Jesus say, you go do exactly what they did. But he said, now you go and do the same. And I believe that God saw a heart change in this man's heart because then he said, now that you understand who truly is your neighbor, now you go be the example for those that are behind you, those that are around you, and you do the same. Here's the application, here's the encouragement. The head leads, the body uh, lead where the, bo- oh, excuse me, the head leads where the body will follow. Sorry. The head leads and the body will follow. What are you doing to lead, to serve, to show those around you this is what God has called us to do? Fathers, are you leading? Are you serving? Mothers, students, parents, what are we doing to show those behind us how to serve and to love and to meet the needs of others? Jesus is telling us, you go and do the same. That's a clarion call for us this morning to go, and to serve, to help those that are in need. As we close, a couple of thoughts. Oftentimes, we're the ones that are passing people by, walking on the other side, walking by hurting broken people every day, at home, at work, at school, church, walking by people out and about that we see that are hurting. And I want to encourage each of us this morning to have a keen and a discerning eye to see where God is at work and join Him to love and to serve your neighbor. Be ready for God to use you to bring restoration to the life of someone in need. Matthew 5 16 says, in the same way let your light shall shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Let God use you. Have a discerning and a keen eye and a spirit. Lord, where is it that you want me to join you in serving and helping my neighbor? Now there may be some that are here this morning in this church or online. You say, well, Pastor Scott, I feel like I'm the man that was robbed beaten, left for dead, on the ground, helpless. And I say to you this morning, if that's you feeling like this, this is all of us without Jesus. Right. Broken, destitute, beat up, half dead, in the ditch. But just like Jesus gave us this incredible, powerful parable describing the Samaritan who didn't just pass by and forget about the man, I have good news today. Jesus Christ will never just pass us by. He will never forget us. Not only will he come and see about you, but he will also heal your broken heart. He will pick you up off that rocky ground. He'll hold you in the palm of his hand. Jesus will restore you and give you new life by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Y'all, we are all this man who was broken without Jesus. But thank God the story does not end there. Deuteronomy 3.16 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. (laughs) What do we take away from today? Let God use you to love your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Anyone who is in need and you have the ability to meet it. Will you open your eyes today and your heart today and let God use you to be a blessing to those that are in need? And lastly, we were all once there, broken, separated from God. But I thank God that he sent his only begotten Son, Jesus to die for us, and to shed his blood for us. Will you stand with me this morning as we have our time of invitation? There are some in here today who don't know Jesus. For yourself, you may be what the world calls a good man or a good woman, but you're lost without relationship with Christ. We all need a Savior. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The way to sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Where are you this morning? Do you know Jesus? The altar of the Lord is open. If you say, well, Pastor Scott, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Today is your day. Our pastors will be here down front. Will you come? Accept Jesus as your Lord and say, we'll pray with you. We'll walk with you. We'll serve you. We'll walk alongside of you and your family. We all need a Savior, and his name is Jesus. You may say, well, I'm saved, but I've never been baptized. We love to baptize you. Matter of fact, we're baptized at 11 o'clock. You might be able to get in on a party. (laughs) If you want to be baptized, we welcome you in Believer's Baptism. Maybe you want to be a member. God is calling you to be a member of this church. We welcome you to come and be a part of this family and going and doing what God has called us to do both here locally and around the world. We need people to join the team, not to just be members, but to be servant leaders of the Lord Jesus Christ, part of the army of salvation that God is raising up to save the world. Amen? Amen. If you don't know him, don't leave here today without knowing Jesus for yourself. The Samaritan man Gave us a great example of how to lay our life down for our neighbor. Are you willing today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We give you the glory and the praise and the honor. Lord, we pray you have your way. Lord, I pray you break down every barrier to keep those who need to come, who you're calling to come. Lord, I pray you would tear it down. Lord Jesus, thank you for this church family. Thank you for every man, woman, and child that's here this morning. Move. Have your way, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for worship at Prestonwood. As you heard earlier, if you made a decision for Christ, please text JESUS to 74788. We would love to connect with you and give you these great resources to help you grow in your faith. One is a New Believer's Bible with helpful notes to help you study God's Word. The other is a book by Pastor Jack Graham on the next steps to take as you pursue this new life in Christ. As we close, I'd like to thank you for your faithful giving to support Prestonwood and the work God is doing through our ministries. If you would like to give, text word GIVE to 74788 or visit Prestonwood.org give. It's been a joy worshiping with you and we look forward to seeing you again soon.